And, okay, sorry, I'm done. Where were we? Dude, who are you texting? I have no idea. There's usually a name at the top of the screen. Well, it's Trudy, okay, but she's imaginary. Or maybe she's just invisible. This whole thing has been very confusing for me. Yeah. See, I recently signed up for that service Invisible Girlfriend. I feel like I've read about this. Yeah, and the company's sales pitch is to give you social proof that you're in a relationship, even if you're not. They call it a girlfriend your friends can believe in. I think that means you're not supposed to tell me you signed up for an invisible girlfriend. Apparently online dating is now so advanced, you don't even need another person. This has all gotten a little bit crazy. There was a random angry voicemail she sent me, and I even ended up with a made-up bulldog named Meatball. So you've got an imaginary girlfriend and an imaginary dog. I do. And the more I've learned about why and how people are using this thing, and then what's happening behind the scenes, the more I begin to think about why I'm using it. What does it say about me? That you're a guy who'd name his dog Meatball. Was that a rump roast? I'm Eric Brandner. And I'm Davin Coburn. And today on The Underscore, is fake love the best place to find a real connection? I don't know yet, but it turns out there's an app for that. So how does this invisible thing work? Well, there's invisible girlfriend and there's invisible boyfriend. They're the exact same thing, it just depends what your preference is. Back in 2013, founder Matt Holman pitched the idea at a startup competition in St. Louis. Two days later, he and a little team had a chat bot and a business model, and people were texting a fake girlfriend. They won first prize. So what was first prize? 3,000 bucks. So that's not a lot of money, I give you that. But it was the thought that counted, and that thought had been around for a while. I caught up with Steve Rousseau. He's an editor at Dig who's done some extensive research into the company. Matt had just been recently divorced, and the big problem he found was that his friends and relatives almost cared too much about his like emotional state. And so what would, people would like constantly ask him about his love life, and has he been seeing anyone, what's he doing? So he sort of registered this domain, invisiblegirlfriend.com, as sort of like a half joke, that it's a service that you just kind of use to get these like well-meaning people off your back. And I guess you could create your perfect girlfriend in the process? I mean, perfect except for the fact that she doesn't exist, which I guess some dudes would be into. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because you would be surprised how hard it is to make up a girlfriend. <laughs> so how do you pick your girlfriend? Is there a menu? And asking that out loud actually sounds really creepy. It is a little bit creepy and, and it doesn't get any better the more you learn about it. See, first you have to start with her name, right? First, middle, and last. And you went with? Trudy Elizabeth Beckinsale. <laughs> so Kate Beckinsale, but more bookish? I don't want to think about it too much. Here's something Steve brought up. It just occurred to me that you could totally, you know, upload a headshot of Ryan Gosling, name it Ryan Gosling, and then type in a bunch of interests that are perhaps Ryan Gosling-ish, and there you go. Now you're texting Ryan Gosling in some way. Does the Ryan Gosling invisible boyfriend just text bomb you with hey girl memes? Yeah, hey girl, my directorial debut went straight to video. <laughs> Next up, I chose her age. Trudy's 36, by the way, so I'm dating an older woman. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, everything about this is completely normal. <laughs> then they have different personality types to choose from, right? She could be witty and educated, she could be lovingly nerdy. And you went with? Desperate and insecure. <laughs> no, I went with saucy and sarcastic because I wanted to see how well a chatbot could walk that line before accidentally offending me. <laughs> because it's so easy to actually offend you. Yeah, and then things got tricky because I had to choose her interests. Do they have categories? Can you just make up anything? You can pretty much make up anything. I went with dressage and English basements. <laughs> so what you're saying is that she's into musty smells. That's my natural scent. <laughs> and I threw dogs on the list too because that's just kind of a gimme. Enter the meatball. Well, you have to come up with your origin story, right? The meat cute? The site hammers on the importance of this, saying, quote, The story of your relationship is the foundation upon which every detail is built. 
Maybe even map it out on a whiteboard, which they hopefully point out, <laughs> you then erase. Being a lonely dude sounds like a lot of work. So what's your story? I said Trudy and I met at the dog park when her cocker spaniel Wallace made ungentlemanly advances toward my bulldog meatball. <laughs> If Meatball's a lady, you made up a dog with real self-esteem issues. I'll never understand women, man. But speaking of looks, did I mention her photo? Meatballs are Trudy's. Trudy's. Why would I have a photo of an imaginary dog? Why would you have a photo of an imaginary girlfriend? It just comes with the territory, right? I mean, there were probably two dozen to choose from, with different ages and ethnicities, and supposedly these aren't stock photos. For a while, the company was soliciting selfies from real people to be used as fake partners. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta stop the podcast right now for a PSA. Do not give your likeness rights away, people. First year virtual girlfriend, next year on a subway poster is the face of herpes relief like that one Friends episode. Are you done? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I'm done. So these people have just been getting recognized out on the street? Well, Steve mentioned something about that too. When I first was creating my invisible girlfriend, I like tried to do a reverse image search on this headshot that I was selecting, and I like tried to find who this woman was because it's ostensibly a real person. Like this is someone's face out there. Nothing came up. I couldn't find the origin of this photo, where it came from, who this person was. So it's, it's still a mystery. I feel pretty good about him not being able to find out who she was. Because then he'd call her and say, hey, you're my girlfriend, but not my real girlfriend. But, you know, if you wanted to be my real girlfriend No, sometime. like, I, re I reassured him that he wasn't Google stalking because he didn't want to show up outside her apartment. He just wanted to know who she was. That's just Google curiousness. So how much does this all cost? It's 25 bucks for a month for 100 texts one handwritten postcard, and a couple of voicemails. You want to hear what she sounds like? I don't, and I very much do all at the same time. Hey, honey, give me a call when you get this, and I will talk to you then. Bye. Was she calling from a funny horse jumping competition? Hey, my imaginary girlfriend sounds hot. In real life, that's got to be a voice actor with a script, right? That would only make sense. She could knock out a whole bunch of those in one day and be done with it. Sure, and that way it's just the same voice each time, I assume, right? It's like she's not Southern one day and then Pakistani the next. I sort of hope so. But she's also not afraid to speak her mind. Any relationship has rough patches, after all. Hello. Just wanted to know what's going on this weekend. You never, ever call me back. So just shoot me a text or something, okay? I know how she feels. You never call me back either. <laughs> I just want Hello? Things... <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I just want things to go back to the way they were. Do we need to take a minute so you can make up your imaginary girlfriend? I already did. Hi. I just wanted to call and say I miss you, and that's it. Hope you're having a great day. Okay, that's better. So what do you think of the service? I mean, what are you writing on your Yelp review? You know, I went in with an open mind and a lot of questions. Some of the early reviews just seemed like people trying to break the system. Like one woman tried to pick a fight with her invisible boyfriend just to see if he would dump her. <laughs> it's like cursing at Siri on your iPhone. Trying to break the system isn't really the point, right? Holman said from the start that this is niche, I guess, but it's not ironic. Well. Not totally ironic, anyway. Fair enough, okay. But I texted Trudy about running and about dogs, and it wasn't heady conversation, but she thought I was funny. I thought it was kind of cool. What did Trudy tell you about running? Lots of ice afterward. And then she suggested a couple of stretches to try. That's pretty advanced for a chatbot. And that is where this story takes a left turn. <laughs> oh, jeez. So you're about to tell me that Trudy's real, aren't you? And that she's one of my relatives, and, like, maybe we're on <laughs> Mari right now? Yes, could be, and I really hope not. Trudy is real, but there's more than one Trudy, and I have no idea how many. <laughs> so there's a group of real people who are reading your text, telling you how to ice your knees, and teaching you how to make Meatball act like a proper lady. Yeah, let me take you back to St. Louis and a company called Crowdsource. They compile small pieces of freelance work, 
then farm that out to half a million freelancers who've passed their qualification tests. Here's how Crowdsource's COO, Aaron Steinbrugge, described it to me. Basically, we have a platform that helps us match freelance talent with client projects. So we've qualified hundreds of thousands of freelancers based on their skills and interests. And on any given day, they can log into our platform and they'll basically see work that they're qualified to complete. And so from the client perspective, we're removing the pains of freelancing. They don't have to um, identify the right freelancer, manage payments to them. Uh, We simplify that. And from the freelancer perspective, we make it simple for them to find work. Erin was introduced to Matt by a mutual friend. She recognized they had what she called burstable labor needs, and that labor is what Crowdsource brings to the table. So the workers that are responding to these texts, what other sorts of jobs are they doing? Oh, they're writing little product descriptions for buying guides or informational articles. So is Crowdsource vetting this Invisibles program pretty thoroughly? I mean, product blurbs are one thing, but dealing with strangers is emotion and abuse. They had to figure out what the privacy concerns were going to be for the front-end users, but they also had to figure out what the back-end experience was going to be like for the freelancers. It takes a special group of people not to mock you for naming your lady dog Meatball. <laughs> You'd have gone with Felix Thunderpaws? <laughs> but you're right, and because of that, it turns out that Aaron had to be one of the first beta users. In my case, I, I love wine. So when I'm chatting with my invisible friends, I tend to chat a bit about wine. So any freelancers out there who are knowledgeable about wine and interested in that have the opportunity to engage with me. So And did they have any clue they were talking to the boss? No, absolutely not. <laughs> so those freelancers responding, are they assigned to you based on their age or their gender? No. And sometimes she seemed a little bit uncertain of those things herself. There was one time she texted me that she was such a lucky guy. So Trudy could actually be a college kid named Derek taking a break from Xbox. <laughs> there were days I thought she was. Some days we'd be texting about, like, animal videos, right? And then it was like the record skipped, and the next thing I knew she was spouting Zen proclamations. But that only proves something else that's a little bit creepy, which makes sense the more I think about it. And that is, Crowdsource tries to keep users connected to the same freelancers whenever possible. Basically, we have something built in that tries to match up the same people and keep them engaged. So you've been talking to Derek a lot. Maybe. Or it could have been Lori Harper down in Houston. She's a longtime freelance writer and editor, and she's worked with Crowdsource and its predecessor for about six years now. When they first loaded that job up, it said something like, um, get paid to, to be an invisible boyfriend or something like that. And um, so I clicked on it and looked at it and, you know, exited out of it and went, that's just ridiculous. And then a couple of days later, I clicked on it again and I answered one of the texts. I can't remember what, it, you know, but just how are you doing tonight? And I think I replied with something like, I'm watching Criminal Minds. Oh, that's my favorite show, you know, was one of the next texts. So I was like, hey, this is actually kind of fun. That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, but... But then there's sometimes where you go, gosh, this is really sad. So, like I said, it depends on what the user is using it for, I guess. Does the freelancer responding to you actually have to check a box saying they know about running or dogs? No! No, they don't. They see the invisible origin story. And if they think they can play that character, they can play that character. Here's Laura again. Say they say that I'm a computer geek. I know nothing about computers. I might skip that. And some other worker will pick it up. I try to look at where that conversation has been, and I try to keep it in that same vein. And she doesn't know who she's talking to either, right? Right. It's anonymous both ways. She doesn't see your full name or your phone number, and she doesn't see those photos that you send of your junk. (laughs) That's probably a good thing. I didn't do it. I'm I'm just saying it doesn't mean that there aren't some weird moments in the job. I had one girl, and I almost thought, hey, this is one of those people who's actually using it for proof. And uh, she said, I can't remember the names, but let's call them Jenny and, and Barbara outside the theater with me. Are you going to meet us here or not? 
And I said, I'm sorry, this meeting is running late. Why don't you go on inside? And then I did get the next text back. And she said, we're still waiting. And I said, sorry. And I actually started feeling guilty that I was in this fake meeting. <laughs> and I couldn't get away to go to this fake theater. And I'm like, that. I hope to God I proved to her friends that she just had a crap boyfriend. Because it was, yeah, there's some really hilarious stuff. How much did they get paid for that? Reportedly a couple of cents per text message. Which isn't much, hmm. right? But as Laura pointed out, it's more than she gets for texting her daughter. She said something interesting about proof, too. That's why you'd think a lot of people are signing up for this whole thing, but that's not what people are using it for? And that's the latest twist. Early on, some folks tried sexting with it, which is against the rules. Other folks tried to break it. But as people began to realize they were actually talking to another human being, it didn't scare them away. Here's Steve Rousseau again. Quite a few people have had the same experience as me, where... They're not using the service as a cover, but more as like this sort of digital proxy relationship type of thing, which is deeply surprising because that's not how the service was initially designed, nor is it pitched. But if you're having frustrations at work, if you're like having anxieties about things, the person is obligated to text back and the response has to be uplifting. And I mean, it's a person who's running it. So, you know, they have some sort of capacity to like feel empathy or be sympathetic. In fact, Steve was saying it's most similar to Crisis Text Line, that intervention hotline that runs entirely over text messages, if obviously it's a whole lot less serious. So sort of an existential Crisis Text Line. Yeah, and sometimes it was just fun, like that day she texted to ask if I had a favorite silly animal video. <laughs> Is Meatball on YouTube? I spent 10 minutes talking to her about that easy. <laughs> and by the way, it's the one of that white dog just missing the couch set to Chariots of Fire. Ah, uh, that is a masterpiece of the genre. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it's meaningful conversation, but it doesn't feel like a waste of time. So the latest way to find a connection in this crazy, hectic world we're living in is to create a fake person? Sort of poetic, isn't it? I'll give Laura the last word. I've had a lot of great conversations about television shows, books, favorite vacation spots, things like that. And it almost goes away from any sort of romance to just basically texting with a friend. For 25 bucks a month. Yeah, I'm expensing that, just to be clear. The Underscore is two real people using their real names when they talk to you. One of them even owns two real dogs, neither of which is named Meatball. Check out the underscore.net for extras from this episode, including some of my correspondence with Trudy. And don't forget us on Facebook, where you can see a great photo right now of what we imagine Meatball looks like. Also, see one of Trudy's photos, too. Maybe you even know her. A special thanks to Steve Russo, Aaron Steinbrugge, Laura Harper, and that voice actor who played Trudy. I hope you're not still angry at me for not calling you back, because you're not real. So what'd your actual girlfriend think of all this? She was on board. She helped create her. Well, that's an episode for another time. Speaking of episodes, you can find all of ours on iTunes and SoundCloud. And don't forget to check out the underscore on Twitter, at underscore pod. Sometimes we're funny. Until next time, I'm Eric Brandner. And I'm Davin Coburn. You've been underscored. <laughs> no, still, still trying things. Yeah? Okay. This is the underscore. <laughs>